Welcome to Playback Theatre Talks. In today's episode, I will be hosting the wonderful Anastasia Varabyova. Anastasia and me will be talking about playback theatre and movement. And we're also going to talk about Anastasia's personal journey to playback theatre. Anastasia is a co-founder of Vozdok Project that focuses on movement and playback. She is the vice chair of the International Playback Theatre Network. She is also a playback theatre trainer and activist. Please join us for another playback theatre talk. Nastia, it's so great having you on my podcast today. Thank you for accepting my invitation in such a short notice. Thank you. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for the invitation. We have a lot to talk about today. We're going to focus on uh, playback and movement and how to integrate more movement in, uh, and dancing in playback activities. But first, I would like to ask you to introduce yourself, and then uh, we're going to yes. go for the topic, yeah. Sure. Uh, I'm Anastasia Varabyova. Shortly, my name is Nastya. Um, I have two big passions. Uh, one of them is about physical theater and contemporary art for social transformation. And my other passion is about um, justice uh, and social dimension area in playback and how we can really... Um, use playback as a tool, as a tool for uh, building a world we really um, want to. So, and I'm performing artist and human rights activist and vice president of International Playback Theatre Network. You're doing a lot of stuff. I'm going to ask you about different uh, things that you're doing later on as well. But first, I want to ask you, how did you get to do playback theater? What was your journey towards uh, playback? Uh Uh-huh. That's a long story. (laughs) (laughs) So I will try to be short. So um, I guess 12 or 13 years ago, um, I saw the first playback Moscow company. Uh, They were just at the beginning of this journey, bringing playback in Russia. And um, so... Before, I was looking for myself and like living two parallel lives. So one of them was so much passion for for art, for human activism. Uh, so that was, I was doing it in the evening, so during the night or during the weekends, uh, trying to study uh, in different places. But I was trying to search myself um, in the different areas. So um, I got five universities and I never finished. <laughs> I never finished. Uh, I mean, like, uh, just finished one university. Thanks God. And then I was try to, you know, okay, well, uh, you know, this myth, old fashioned myth, um, quite conservative, which my family had. Well, you need to become a lawyer or economist. You know, so what in order did you to... study? Ah, <laughs> uh, many different things, which is not related to me at all. I was okay. even uh, studying uh, medicine really? uh, two years. <laughs> yes, it's crazy. But at the same time, you know, like 
I was doing it during the mornings and during the day, and then I was working, and then I was writing for some, you know, theater activities, or I was playing an orchestra for 14 years. And actually, it was like, uh, it's like actually Berlin divided into two parts, you know? Okay. So <laughs> you you were also playing in an orchestra. Which instrument do you play? Andaline. Uh, it's instrument with the strings, uh, which have eight strings um so yes <laughs> okay do you still it's play similar to day? guitar no unfortunately not but uh just because when playback entered my life and i already was doing some pantomime and other you know activities in the theater so i completely dedicate my time to to this <laughs> mm. so you were uh, studying different things but never was never able to be committed to something Yes, yes. And I was committed. I was committed to the theater, obviously. And um, I was very hungry for, you know, all the studies. Like I was for the whole summertime going to study um, like physical theater in Academy, Academy dell'Arte in California. The next summer I was going to the Duck Theater, who was working during the Yugoslavia war and uh, study with them for some months. So it was always, you know, it's like my um, underground life. <laughs> mm. So this you you did in between uh, trying to figure out your way in the yeah. uh, academic world. You were also doing theater parallel to that. Yes, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I was just having a few hours of sleep, but um, I always was, I don't even know why I was putting myself to suffer all the time, you know, trying to get some academical studies papers for my parents. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what about movement? When did you find out that you're into that? Was that something that also happened in a later point in your life or that was something that was always present? Uh, I think, no, it wasn't always present and to be honest, I was uh, always having compassion um, and capacity for the movement. But, uh, you know, I was thinking I'm not fitting this world with my, you know, kind of movement. Like every time on the parties, disco parties, you know, in the university, um, the school, I was the outsider. I was just... You know, <laughs> you were going for it. You were like, uh, yeah, I was just standing expressive. by the wall and trying to understand. Well, oh. I'm not sure I really like to move like all of them moving, you know, like mm. in certain particular movements. Like, and I was a little ashamed, like, if I will start to move, that would, you know, feel strange and bizarre because my movement was different. <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. And um, also, um, Many years ago, uh, I experienced something, um, you know, when staying in bed for many months after a big surgery. Mm-hmm. And I realized my body, if I will not start moving, I will just die. Mm-hmm. I just need to break through and uh, everything I wanted just to move, mm-hmm. just to move and move. Doesn't matter for what, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so when did you decide to... Um, to focus on playback theater and to be dedicated to theater in general? So I always, as I said before, was curious about the theater doing this and that, um, you know, a little um, intensives, workshops, trainings, programs. And then I realized um, 
well when I met playback actually so you know it's like you you meet somebody and then you fall in love Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it was 13 years ago um, and I completely dive into this and I quit my job and I quit you know many things and um, in parallel I was uh, getting some education in psychodrama uh, and all those things close uh, to playback related, you know, interconnected. So, and I decided, no, not anymore. I will never put myself to do anything I don't want to doing, you know. Mm. <laughs> How uh, my journey started. And also I was uh, fall in love in playback because, you know, the storytelling, uh, which can actually change so many things. And I had so many stories I just wanted to share in order to let go of something or, you know, and, I really want to, I was very hungry for the stories of people from around the world um, to understand more how, how it operates. Okay, so you also, you also connected to the therapeutic aspects of the mm-hmm. playback. And, and when did you find out about this combination of playback and movement? When did that happen? Uh-huh. So, um, yes, so I was start to be very interested in the movement and I, we started experimenting I think seven years ago uh, that's how was the project was created Postdoc Center uh, so me and two of my co-partners we met in a cafe in Moscow and uh, we just wanted to share what is our ideas and dreams and three of us we were very um, much about what does it mean to combine movement and playback theater like dance but not dance like in terms of choreographer um ideas like a script but more like a free movement uh and you know awareness about embodiment and presence you know with playback theater and see what's going to happen so we just rented a little um studio and we started experimenting pushing boundaries you know the crazy stuff and learning, inviting different choreographers, traveling somewhere to learn more. So, yes. <laughs> Who were your people that influenced you in that journey of, ex- of this combination of uh, playback and uh, movement? Um, well, actually, I'm a little group who were inspiring each other in this, um, I guess, also... Um, also, I was fall in love with Gaga dance, actually. Um, Gaga dance is a way of movement, you know, um, based yeah. on Israel company and Ahad, uh, who was created this idea. Ahad Narin from Israel. Mm-hmm. He was the, yeah, he invented this uh, method, yeah. I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, it's one of the inspirations because uh, the Gaga method uh, also based on the ideas, like how to free your own vessel body as a vessel and uh, perceive uh, our body on the micro level not only like my hand my leg but what's happening inside how i can really you know be into the body and um yes based on impulses rather than scripts and then you finally opened or started the project um when exactly was it uh, founded I think it's six years ago. Yes. Okay. Um, Vostok. 
uh, projector. Okay, I hope I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I haven't said a different word word now in Russian. <laughs> okay, which <laughs> no, means no. air, right? Which means air. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. You are doing many things, many different things here. You're also doing production, right? You're produ producing the Playback Theatre Camp. Um, you're you're yes. teaching, you're conducting, you're performing. You're the admin of the Facebook group uh, Playback Theatre Around the World, which uh, <laughs> Michael Cheng was uh, also one of my guests and he mentioned oh, yes. you. Yeah, I must say that uh, I think other than Jonathan Fox, you're the person most mentioned in my podcast. Um, ah, <laughs> many people have mentioned you. Yeah, Michael. Really? Yeah, Karina. I, I, uh, yeah, you need to to check then if you if you're not aware. Oh my god! Oh my god! I was wondering what uh, what is taking most of your time. Like you have different things that you're doing, and I know I have a group myself. I'm leading a group, so. I know how time-consuming some of the assignments that, that you have and some of the roles that you're taking um, can be. Yeah. So I, um, I'm curious, what do you feel like taking most of your time? Well, I guess it's uh, these two things. Of course, WOSDO as a project needs lots of time and it's not always necessary, you know, um, a fun, spontaneous <laughs> improvisation time because there is yeah. lots of you know laptop work um, which yeah which is quite complicated but now uh, we realized um, we need we are building team you know uh, we have our own marketing people and uh, some people who is helping us with strategy and all those things so uh, that's how we want to grow but the other thing is actually I'm very much um you know, following and trying to um, understand what's going on in the world and what playback can really bring to all of us. Um, so I'm trying to educate myself if I have any doubts or facing my own prejudice, you know. Um, so, and actually I'm writing a book mm. uh, and yeah. lockdown also helped me to have a little more time. <laughs> Yeah. Time. So this book is about um, playback, obviously, but it's about um, social dimension and some important questions about justice and, you know, diversity and different cultures. And uh, it's based on the different stories from around the world um, since I was traveling a lot and um, was exploring, you know, the different worlds and different possibilities how we can be benefited from playback. So mm -hmm. it's based on a different stories for which we can question or understand something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ah, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So do you have an estimation of when it's going to be published, this book, or is it well, still my, like... Yeah, my ideal situation, um, you know, since the EPTG, European Playback Gathering, was uh, actually... <laughs> transferred to a 2021 so I really hope to finish uh, till that time but also playback international playback camp um, which um, I found nine years ago next year will be a very big anniversary 10 years so um, 
I really hope to finish the book till that time. <laughs> okay. And yes, I did notice that uh, like um, in your Facebook profile or in the signature of your email, you define yourself as a social activist. Like this is yep. one of, of your title, like uh, training yeah. and all that, and then social activist. And I was wondering, what does it mean for you being a social activist? So it means, uh, first of all, being an uh, active citizen, you know, to uh, actually uh, catch up on the news and try to make change and, you know, react on something which is, you know, which is happening in our world. And there is a lot of things, but also I'm very committed to uh, volunteer work, uh, which is about peace building. So that's why I was, uh, you know, spending lots of my time working in Lebanon or, you know, in countries where, um, you know, a difficult socio-economical situation. So I was cooperating with United Nations Program Department, you know, uh, building the programs, uh, working with the refugees in the different um, Syrian camps or, you know, uh, marginalized communities. So programs like preventing recruitment of ISIS and all those things. So, uh, and I was the author of different programs and including playback in it, um, you know, um, as a tool again for mm -hmm. traditional social stability. And um, and what about Russia? Your yeah. home. I assume <laughs> that that's probably. I know from my experience that usually topics that are related to the place where you're coming from a lot of time are the most painful ones yes exactly oh my god exactly uh so <laughs> yeah sometimes it's easier um you know for me to work abroad and uh when i'm coming back sometimes you know i face challenges like i, I cannot solve like for example my mom we are on a total totally different pages in terms of political visions Mm -hmm. And it's she's more conservative, you mean? Oh, she is. She is very mm -hmm. conservative, and she's mm -hmm. like a person who is actually sitting and watching TV with lots of propaganda. And nowadays, mm -hmm. it's stronger mm -hmm. and stronger. And then it's like I'm just facing my own, you know, being so powerless sometimes. But actually, mm -hmm. what I just um, remember it now uh, also because I was writing it in my book yesterday uh, so I was reflecting a lot like what brought me to this field you know being an activist or having any hope or having any you know motivation to uh, fighting for not against but fighting for so uh, it's actually happened uh, at the same time I started doing playback it was I guess second or third year uh, and then it was a very hard situation with, um, you know, our government and again, politics between America and Russia, you know, all this old story, mm -hmm. <laughs> being two kids on a playground, um, trying to show who have a bigger, you know, um, <laughs> something, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bigger toy, let's say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's complicated. And so one of the ideas, you know, at uh, that time and the you know, propaganda tools my government use is uh, like, we are not like them, you know, we are not like them. So we're not like a gay Europe, for example, that was the phrase on the TV. And that time they passed uh, the new law about um, uh, against propaganda of homosexuality mm -hmm. amongst kids. 
So nobody knows what does it really means, you know, but uh, lots of aggressions start, start happening around the LGBTQ plus community in Russia and that there's many accidents. So I started a playback group working with um, this community since I'm also represents this community. So and it was just, you know, more like support group using playback. And then it was a coming out day, um, you know, coming out day when we all celebrate our sexuality. It doesn't matter which way, heterosexual, homosexual, transgender, uh, whatever. And um, I was invited to talk about this playback project in a small uh, cafe. And it was lots of poets, musicians, you know, beautiful art people. And the and the moment I took the mic, going on a stage, so that you know a little war happened. So there was like 20 people with the masks, with the black masks, entered the space with the guns. So um, you know, wow. The, every yeah, that was actually like in a like in a blockbuster movie, you know. So well, that um, sounds uh, intense. It is intense. And then I was, it was the first time I faced so much injustice, not only towards the people, um, you know, that, who have oppression around me and I was mm-hmm. privileged and I faced the first time, you know, aggression towards myself. So uh, the people I was working with. So after this, what happened, you know, uh, the police came and they said, well, we're not going to open any case. I hope you know, because you gay people. And that time, something clicked in myself. I couldn't understand this. It was the first time I faced so much, you know, like injustice, which I really don't understand. So, um, and then I was thinking, well, in a few weeks later, um, I I supposed to catch the flight to go visit my, uh, like a second family. um, and uh, actually, they're living in the same place where Jonathan and Joe living. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, and I came and they said, well, Nastya. And I was very much, you know, into into this bubble, like uh, how it's possible, you know, like uh, in our century, like how it could be even possible. And uh, the, my friend said, well, you know, Nastya, you can stay here. Um, and now you have some possibility to build a new life and all those things. And then till the last step um, to airplane, going back to Moscow, I was deciding whether I need to stay without possibility to come back for quite a few years uh, to my country. Or shall I go back and just, you know, um, actually dedicate part of my life to work with Mm -hmm. this you know, injustice. And I was changing tickets, you know, three times and going with the, you know, meetings with the lawyers, blah, blah, blah. And then I decided, well, no, I, call, I I will go back to my country and I will collect some power and I will establish my life, but not by my weakness part, but my by my strength. Um, so and that's how my um, human activist life started <laughs> in playback as well. Yeah, seems like a very dramatic entry to this. Yeah, uh, kind of. <laughs> so thanks for for sharing that. I think we we should start talking about playback and movement, and maybe hear how this is going on also with your different activities and yeah. with uh, your social activities and so on. I, I'm wondering if it's not going to be too complicated to ask you maybe to... Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm going to start with this question. Okay. Sure. So what would you say to 
or advise someone that is struggling, that is doing playback, but is not so much into movement and dancing? What, what would you recommend or say to such person? Because there are some people that are doing playback, which includes less of um, body work. Even though I think nowadays most of the group are doing a lot of body work, but um, I assume there are people that feel less comfortable with the with yeah. this part in, pay, in playback. So, what uh, what advice would you give to someone like that? Well, I personally think you know uh, when we can when it comes to our body is a very intimate thing. It's like super intimate, you know, our body carries so much untold stories, wisdom of untold stories. And of course, when it comes together um, or when it comes on the way, then it's, you know, opening up um, different boxes of stories and emotions uh, and struggles. So my advice is actually simply... Mm, Remind yourself about small uh, principles, which is related not only to movement, but also to improvisation and playback, of course. But one of them is about, um, okay, there is no right or wrong movement. <laughs> of course, easy to say, hard to do. But still, it's still good reminder, you know, for ourselves. It's very easy to switch off the mirror, just put some clothes on the mirror in the room, right? But it's very hard to to make mm -hmm. agreement with our own inner mirrors. Um, mm -hmm. And also try to be, you know, try to be in a certain ways, uh, like in our lives, we're trying to be so much original, like in the way things, in the way we do things on, at work, in a family, and sometimes, you know, more or less, but almost all of us, it, there are some moments when we try to be original, of course. But uh, with this idea and paradox that, you know, actually, the main thing what we can do and benefit from it, it's like a gift for ourselves, is trying to search for our own authenticity rather than trying to be original. And then as, you know, the paradox is, as more we try to be original, as less we are, and as more we try to be authentic. And doesn't matter which movement palette we have, you know, if mm -hmm. we are authentic, then it will be incredibly beautiful, not only for ourselves, but also for the audience. Like if we can be curious about this search for authenticity ourselves, then it will be very interesting for, for people around. So you're talking a lot about self-awareness and like uh, being able to lose your self-awareness in order yeah. to give yourself away to the movement or to what, whatever is coming out that your body wants to to express. So uh, one thing would be to not look at yourself while doing that and not yes. trying to be original or something like that, just to be, just to express whatever it is that your body wants to, um, yes. to do in the moment. Yeah, It's like a starting point. It's like a starting point. And of course, then, uh, you know, I'm always teaching this, uh, you know, uh, di different parts of the movement, like, of course, we try to be really curious about what's going on right now in the moment, in the present moment, right? Like a little kids, like pure curiosity. 
And then we also searching for authenticity, you know, like to react in the moment of now with our partners in the space, with whatever is happening. But also, of course, uh, you know, I'm teaching some tools um, which might be helpful. And uh, so person can be more confident uh, with the movement, obviously. So which is like, uh, you know, we exploring how our body working, you know, like what does it mean? Our center and the balance and what what we can, how we can play with it and the rhythm rhythm and tempo and you know all those different um, things. Mm-hmm. So I have to say I was uh, also last year I was in one of your uh, workshops. You were oh, coming that's right. to yeah <laughs> you were visiting uh, Berlin and you are performing here and. And you and Olga, your partner, you gave Yay. a wonderful workshop here. And mm. one of the things that um, um, I always struggling with explaining um, the differences between uh, types of movement. Ah, yeah. And, and you gave a great explanation in the um, in the in the workshop that uh, uh-huh. if you can share it right now, that would be great about uh, different types of movement, about symbolic movement. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, yes, uh, that's uh, important. It's a very important part uh, because then it's just gives some idea like what is the possibilities um, and how we can apply movement in playback. So um, there is, <clears throat> by my opinion, and of course, there is many different theories, but uh, I like to say it's a five types of movement. So, of course, we all know pantomime when we just trying to embody the object, objects uh, which is uh, not really existing. So, which actually requires lots of, uh, you know, skills. Yeah, definitely. To In order be able to pantomime, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. A lot of people that start with playback and need to go on stage and they're getting a, they're getting an extraction. Please don't make any like uh, verbal <laughs> gestures. They're going to pantomime, and usually, if someone is not really experienced with that, then uh, yeah, it's not really yeah. working yeah. many times. So yeah, sometimes yeah, that's true. That's true. So <laughs> or you know sometimes uh, when I'm teaching pantomime or like okay if we if you if you use uh, you know, to use this pantomime gestures, let's just play around. Let's just, you know, play with the different ideas around it rather than, uh, you know, learn the original technique because it's actually it takes years for people <laughs> to yeah. learn it. So, uh, so pantomime movement, one of the types, uh, abstract movement, you know, when you really, it's based on impulses, when you follow the impulses, when you just, you know, playing with the different qualities uh, and you becoming butterfly, but nobody knows that you are butterfly. <laughs> so that yeah. sounds like the complete opposite from uh, pantomiming. Yes, but, but actually in a certain way, when I teach movement, I start with abstract because there is where the freedom uh, begins. You know, mm-hmm. when uh, there is no limits and uh, if you, it's the way to get this idea, you know, how to really be with your body rather than with your mind. Because some for, for many of us, you know, uh, the body is just like a case for the mind, like mm-hmm. to, to bring your mind to the work and come back home. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I 
can uh, we really need to unleash unleash the body so and this is the way uh, not just all the life step by step trying to bring mind and body together so my ideas is about actually we know very well how to be leaded only by the brain only by the mind and now we need to taste this idea what does it mean to be completely free and lead by the body that's the fastest way to bring mind and body together <laughs> to mm. just taste the different parts you know yeah so abstract movement yes and then symbolic movement which is very important because i think uh once you know we start playing with the movement and uh, using movement in playback uh so if we only abstract it's confusing you know people couldn't um understand where we are in the story what does it mean right sometimes so mm -hmm. we need symbolic movement symbolic yeah. movement uh that's what i call which is represents a different processes of things in the world but not in a very direct way like symbols Like, for example, um, this one of the movement which could symbolize uh, the blindness of government. I don't know. For example, in the story. Mm -hmm. And it's not abstract. That, yes, it's concrete. It might be repetitive with the repetition pattern. And then we just, you know, develop it, um, take it further. But this is what we all understand as human beings living in a social construct. So uh, symbols sometimes is the way of uh, like bringing a certain points in the story. Um, sometimes I even, uh, you know, like to say, what is the symbolic movement on this uh, particular story? You know, we have essence of the story, but what about movement of the story? You know, which is interesting to think uh, about a story like this. Mm -hmm. And also when I teach, I really like to make a transitions um, and focus in between. What does it mean? The transitions in between symbolic movement to authentic and go back to symbolic, you know. So also uh, third type, uh, no, fourth type uh, of the movement. Uh, it's more concrete. This is the things we do in real life. Like I'm pushing you, for example, right? Um or pulling you, or these concrete gestures uh, towards the partner, so which we use in real life, but on stage it's a little more exaggerated mm -hmm. in certain ways. And psychological gesture, which we, <laughs> which mm -hmm. many people also do uh, as a beginners in playback, obviously. But I also really like to play with this and take it further because we all have a different patterns. We do, right? Like um, I have. Uh, mine you know i'm just uh, uh i don't know why but looking at my left shoulder and trying to pick something <laughs> mm, okay <laughs> or i'm mm. coming in the stage and like i'm just playing with my hair um you know mm -hmm. unconsciously it's unconscious things but mm -hmm. once we are aware of it we can make it as our strength Right. So we can just, you know, exaggerate it or play with the different uh, mm. tempos or just, you know, make it juicy. So but only if we're conscious of, you know, these gestures. So this is five types. Yeah. And there, there, all those types can be used in playback in, 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 playback in different ways. Um, Absolutely. Mm. Like the 
psychological gestures are more uh, when we're building a character, when we're doing a scene that is more realistic, that could be very helpful to keep that in mind, like what kind of gesture, psychological gesture this. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. Good idea. Like, yes. Do you see like a hierarchy between the different um, types of movement or do you mm. recognize some kind of a hierarchy or is it uh, it uses for different purposes, basically? Yeah, I think it's uses for different purposes. Uh, the only thing, for example, um, I am not professional in pantomime, so I would rather just um, teach it my way, you know, like how we can uh, how we can take it further. Yeah, it's, I think it's more for me. I mean, maybe in um, in some story you can put the hierarchy, hierarchical things, and in some story not. Or uh, one of my two favorites is about symbolic and abstract movement. So I use it a lot when I teach. But I think mm. they're like horizontal leadership. <laughs> but I also uh, starting not like uh, putting the music and then let's dance. No, I mean, I'm just also... Um, putting certain limitations, which is helping us to be free, obviously. You know, there's so much freedom and limitations from. And how can you show things like, um, like violence or sex when you hear stories about those kind of topics and you have to, to portray that, doing it only with the movement and without verbalizing it? Well, of course, yes, of course, uh, we never go into direct uh, actions. So when we play sex, we would just uh, find some repetition movement into certain pattern of the movement. We can even play with the hands. You know this game? Um, what it's called in English? Like when you... Ah, when you're clapping. A, yes. And yes, that, can be, that can be a symbolic movement that symbolizes sex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for or, example, one of them, like, right, because we already heard the story. We know there is a sex in the story. And then, uh, you know, once you choose the movement, then you can have so much possibilities to play again with the qualities. How are you doing this, right? With the emotions. Um, so there is... Um, Again, much more freedom coming once we find something uh, which is not literal, but we all understand what does it mean. Despite violence, of course, there's dependent story, but uh, yes, uh, of course, we really choosing the same, uh, you know, p ideas about um, symbolic patterns of the movement, or we can just using distance and body percussion, for example, showing the violence. Once people experiment with that and see that you don't have to be very concrete or to show the audience what you mean, but just, yeah, as you said, use the symbolism or the abstract form of that. If you are really into that, if you're really tuned to this uh, in your body, you will be able to, yeah. to project that outside. Right, right. I was yeah. also thinking when you were talking about abstract movement, I'm getting back to that, that in abstract movement, I think once you're doing that, uh, one of the effects that it has is that it's very much like the audience can project a lot on the abstract move movement. Yeah. Like, 
And right. that's that's a great power of that. Like you might be as an actress, you might meant to, to show something else, but yes, the audience exactly. might experience exactly. that because he just got something from the quality of your movement. And I think this is something uh-huh. very interesting about abstract movements. Yeah, exactly. So leave um, a space for the audience to to think and project. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that also that leads me to to another question. Your performances are a bit harder to digest, I think, than conventional playback theater performances. It's more artistic. First of all, I want to ask yeah. you if you agree with that, with this uh, assumption of mine. Uh-huh. Or, yeah, you also recognize that, that it's a bit harder to maybe for the audience to to digest what you're doing by only using movement. Yeah, I think it depends on the performance, uh, on one performance or another, because, for example, um, us, like, uh, being co-founders of this project, we already uh, know a little, you know, more what we're doing and how we can make a transition between symbolic movements and painting. And also, uh, two years ago, we... um, took a young generation in the group (laughs) Mm -hmm. so they're still in the process and sometimes um they need to go through the same process in order to understand how to keep the balance for audience to to understand um to understand more what's going on and Mm -hmm. uh, seeing really the story so it's different all the time but yes sometimes i i would say you need a little more um imagination on our performances but you're kind of adapting yourself to the audience like if you would perform to an audience of playbackers you might challenge the audience more than you would teenagers or something yes definitely of course of course yes (laughs) oh for example uh you know like uh i also I'm in a quite traditional classical <laughs> playback company as well, so uh, called New Jazz. So, for example, if I know, like, well, now we need to go and perform on a small village on the countryside of the small town. Mm-hmm. So I would say, no, it shouldn't be Vosdok, it should be just classical playback. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, it must depend on, yeah, yeah. Did exactly. you had a performance where you thought, okay, this is not working <laughs> they're not uh, it, it, it's not working this movement uh-huh. you had something like that that you were like okay we need to go to yeah <laughs> yeah i think it was uh more at the beginning sometimes it's happening now sometimes yes so for example it was one of the performance uh, uh in a big company and then i don't know why we decided to use was the crowd and then you know, more um, traditional playback theater. <laughs> so, and then once we realize it, we start, um, I start using actually voice and words together with the movement. So it helped, um, you know, to catch up with the audience where we are, which page. Yeah, it's all depend on, and sometimes actually we do performances creating a contemporary theater and playback theater uh, that's, but it seems like you have like this um, really big, um, I don't know how to call it, ambition or really like this fire in you to towards the political yeah. um, issues. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, yeah, I mean, I believe the art, uh, you know, can 
show us the bitter life and irony of it, what we have now, and then, you know, it will bring us some ideas, like actually how to change it. It's like an art as a mirror of what's going on now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It is, it is, it is a mirror and we should be a mirror. We should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but it's, it's getting harder and harder, I think, these days because the uh, yeah. freedom of speech is uh, affected uh, in your country even more than uh, other parts of the world. But I think uh, all over the world, this, there's like this uh, trend yeah. right now going on in this moment. Yeah, that's true. We, that's we awesome. can, we can see that. I'm going to do another big transition back to to movement. Yes. Did you yeah. ever felt that you're struggling teaching something to a group? Did you ever felt that you faced challenging situation when giving workshops? Mm. You had any experiences of workshop that wasn't going according to plan? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember now. Um, of course, time to time things happens. Um, well, one of the workshops I was teaching uh, professional dancers, so <laughs> so that was a very challenging part. So because you know, once you start dancing, like dancing with your choreographer, uh, choreo- what what is this word in English? <laughs> with the choreography. Yeah. Choreography? Yeah, oh, yeah. choreography part let's say yes so mm-hmm. and you just actually losing the authenticity and losing the essence of what's 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 happening really so and um on this workshop many people try to be really super original and nice and how you know how far they can bring their legs and i was struggling to just actually simply try to send a message that hey let's stop dance you know, in the way we used to dance, let's just create our own, um, you know, our own performances. Um, so that was a little challenging, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like when people really, uh, and sometimes structure is very helpful, but sometimes not when we stuck in the structure. So when people stuck in the structure or these ideas, how they should look and be, so then uh, that's bringing a certain struggles. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that in the beginning, this self-awareness. Uh, that's the biggest yeah. obstacle, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. In general, can you give some basic tips for groups that would like to use more dancing and movement in their um, performances or rehearsals? What would you, if you can give like three advices, what what would you mm. say? Mm. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Where to start? Yes, where to start? Um, <laughs> hmm. I'm just thinking to to dare to create a safe space for exploration of the movement. You know, like a really build up the safe space so everyone will feel comfortable, and then to you know to push boundaries a little more than usual the boundaries of each other so that's how we can understand the boundaries of each other you know very well Mm -hmm. then we can um get these ideas what we really can do you know uh, with each other on the stage 
or I don't know. I always like to push boundaries a little more. <laughs> mm, yeah, me too, actually. Art starts, begins, you know, with some unexpected things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're you're saying, first of all, create a safe space for people to express themselves freely and explore. Yeah. Can you maybe try to explain how to take, you know, our regular forms that we use on, in playback and maybe adapt the form so it would be based on, on movement or include more movement or dancing into it? Well, I always love to use uh, some, like when I teach uh, as a first stage, first part of workshop um uh i like to you know play with the original classical forms in a different way so as an exercises so for example one of the forms i call body parts instead of flute sculpture mm, okay and you know uh the principles are all completely the same but in this exercise um you know i ask the teller always okay this feeling you mentioned just now, what body parts reflects more, you know, on this feeling or this emotion or this moment, you know, like, uh, and the teller can say, well, this is my chest. So in the fluid sculpture, we all using chest as a way, as a starting point to explore, to express this um, emotion. So, and it's just giving us the idea how we can actually, you know, um, be so different because we never, even doing the same emotion, the same body part, we all will be very different. So it will expand the idea and bringing different shades of one emotion. And also it will connect you to the idea like, well, how really you can use your body, not the perception of oneness, but also the giving attention for the different par- body parts, you know, mm-hmm. like be more creative and, you know, movement approach. So this is one of the things I use. Now, now so we use like you have different forms that you use that are also based on on movement only. Maybe I know it's hard to to describe a form and uh, without showing. But maybe yeah. you can uh, you can give a short example of something that is uh, relatively easy to to explain maybe and uh, yeah. our listeners will have to use their imagination I guess yes yes <laughs> oh by the way uh, it's mm-hmm. actually going back to the previous question then I will um, explain sure. about form so actually I also love to expand imagination together with the movement. Like when we can imagine everything is possible, you know, then uh, and when they, we pushing the limits of imagination. So I really like to challenge uh, people to explore different qualities of the movement by using different images. And the images could be completely, you know, completely different rather than we having before, had before. For example, mm-hmm. like uh, imagine that your feet have 287 ears <laughs> and then some people like some people would look at me and say but how it's possible how it's possible i don't understand <laughs> and then i said no your body is understand this so just just calm down just you know 
just let your brain melt it because this is the signal how a brain can be confused and actually relaxed. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. I, yeah that's that's really a, a powerful way yeah to work on those boundaries that you're yeah. saying that you want to challenge just you have yeah. to really challenge the mind and the imagination and give mind, like, right mm. <laughs> give a break yeah, give a break. <laughs> yeah. so yes and go back to the form uh well one of the forms we use it's about relationships and combination of the different types of movement so um There is two solists, it's like a duet, two main roles, like if the story is about uh, me and somebody is important in the story. So we have a kind of chorus, but people just standing close to each other, you know, shoulder to shoulder in the line, not really like in a chorus. So, and these people on the background um, represents actually... And many things in the story, it could be political aspects, they could play the certain role, so they can just, you know, express the inner world of their teller. I don't know, something like this. But mm-hmm. the idea is that people who do duets, they're using the space, they're using the, all of these beautiful, you know, forms of interaction um, with embodiment, with each other acting uh, going through the story of the teller you know but these three people who just very limited in their movement they work on a contrast so they're using a very small symbolic movement which symbolizes different parts of the story and where we are now you know mm-hmm. so and they might be slow more when the two people who is you know the main roles they just quite fast so the contrasts here also creates a different dimensions which is beautiful so we can see at the same time uh you know going with the story what what's really happening action and then we can see what's the mood of the story what's the you know how it's changing on an energetic or you know different level It's one of the ideas. <laughs> okay, that's great. I hope people can take that and uh, integrate that into their uh, rehearsals and performances and so on. So I think, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's actually very simple when you think about it. You can really easily um, translate different forms into mm-hmm. um, only movement and, and sound or just movement. So I, I invite people to explore that. What I've noticed, because I did practice a lot of uh, movement and, uh, and all that, that I, I enjoyed it a lot. And then I noticed that I recognized some kind of a repetition. I noticed that in a way, doing movement kind of strips the story into something very yeah. fundamental. And then you have uh, stories that the essence is conflict or you have stories that are about love or something like that mm. or some kind of a journey or whatever. And I noticed some repetitions like that um, uh, we kind of getting back to the same patterns in a way. Yeah. I guess you, you maybe you can understand what I'm describing now. Yes, yes. And I wonder how do you avoid that? How do you find new ideas or new ways to like uh, keep staying innovative in this process because there's something about working with movement that really 
that is really going to kind of like the basic, the roots, the essence of the story <laughs> in a way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, we all have our own patterns, right? So, and the patterns comes and go. <laughs> yeah. And the matter is how many patterns we, we have, you know. <laughs> so, um, instead of, I mean, sometimes I do um, some special exercises how to actually be proud out loud of our patterns but then they start changing immediately after this <laughs> like we're taking the, the patterns and uh, we all have and we just play with it and we just you know exaggerate it and we just dedicate time to this and then we start trying the new ones because every time it comes like oh my god no 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 i'm again doing the same pattern oh my god this is very destructive thought of course during the performance just imagine right so, um, and then we trying to actually ask our brain, our mind, a permission to go beyond, you know, so to you, go beyond. And so, so the, first, can, yeah. the, the yeah, yeah. first step would be to kind of like celebrate if we recognize that we tend as a group or as, as individual to yes. go to follow the same kind of patterns, then just to celebrate it or to acknowledge that. And then that's an easy way to kind of break it. Yes. Management is a very important part. Yeah. Okay. It's the first, I mean, this is like a first stage. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we 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 I think we covered quite a lot till now. Yes, I think so. <laughs> I know. Ooh. Yeah, thank you for uh, for being so for sharing all that. And um, I I learned a lot, and uh, there is a lot of things that I will take. And if there's anything, there's something that I haven't asked so far that you that you would like to add. So I just invite you know everyone to. To ask questions, to stay in contact, to, mm-hmm. you know, collaborate more, which is amazing possibilities we already have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also invite people that listen to us to to share and to ask and uh, to respond that this is basically, this is what it's all about, like creating a community and um, sharing the knowledge. Okay. Thanks. I think... Uh, I think with that note, we can definitely end. And so I'm just going to say, because you mentioned a couple of times also the social change and being an an activist and all that, just our last episode was about uh, social change and it was with Ben Rivers. So I invite everyone that uh, is listening also to listen to, to this episode. And yeah, and what can I say? I have to say, again, it was... uh, Great talking to you. Yes, I really appreciate so that. Much. And to reconnect with you now uh, online, I hope that, that soon we'll be able to, like the borders will be free yeah. again. Yeah. And, and I things. will see my, and I will see, you know, my girlfriend, which I didn't see for six months already because of lockdown. <laughs> wow. I was, uh, yeah, I, I thought of that when I was writing you, I, I wrote you, I hope you're okay. And I was thinking about the fact that, uh, yeah, being in a long, long distance yeah, relationship yeah. during this time. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. It, yeah. It's um, maybe we're just worth saying that your girlfriend is also uh, doing playback, right? Yeah, she is. She's also playback trainer and she's from South Africa. And we actually met 
on my second leadership course um, with Jonathan and we met in Brazil. So this is also this is also when playback is entering your personal life. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And uh, that's that's another thing that uh, it's kind of becoming a pattern in, in my podcast. I have many people that are into like uh, playback relationships yes. and many of them had to um yeah i had to also conduct this long distance relationship for a while some of them already found their permanent location together but i guess I for you and your girlfriend it's still you're far away and i can imagine how hard that can be at this moment yeah right yeah we still we waiting we waiting and i also wish everyone who is listening podcast who is in a distance relationships just saying hi to you and just keep patient mm. it will be possible soon so the sweeter amen. meeting will be <laughs> yeah amen where we yes amen yes exactly we need to to remember it's all temporary and exactly yeah. yes thank <laughs> you know so much i really loved your idea and this beautiful project uh so we can hear more voices um from a different parts of our world uh, which is talking about some interesting stuff. So now I'm going to listen, by the way, Ben Rivers' podcast. Ah, great. <laughs> That's what I great. planned before. <laughs> you were one of my inspirations because uh, I was asking on the Facebook group on Playback Theatre around the world uh, what people would like to to hear. Um, uh-huh. And you said that you would like to, to learn more about social change and playback. And hey. then I... Uh, I decided to take this uh, subject and make it into an episode. Great. So yeah. thank you for offering that. I'm, I'm opening. I'm open to any other offers. If you if you have any other ideas for Yay. the next episode, you're welcome to to uh, give uh, to ask, and uh, I'll do my best to find the right person. Thank you so much. Thank you, Noah. Yeah. Okay. So, I hope to, yeah, I hope to connect with you in Berlin, in Moscow, or anywhere around the world. Yes, thank you so much. Enjoy Berlin, yes, and enjoy the freedom um, after lockdown. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can always contact me with questions or requests Or if you want to get an email every time a new episode is released, just contact me at noah.libo at story-lane.com. And please share this podcast with others. Thank you.